0: Hello and welcome. This is the Bits versus Byte podcast. I'm your host, Am Grigic, and today with me is Rutger Teunissen. He is the CEO for 24 Sessions. Welcome, Rutger. Thank you,
1: thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem at all. Uh, could you uh, tell the listeners a little bit about your background and also uh, how you got to start 24 Sessions?
1: Yeah, so I have uh, quite a diverse background. I, uh, I studied uh, economics, uh, then worked a few years in, uh, in consulting. Then actually did my first side project, which turned out to become a business. And from that moment on, I've been, uh, I've been an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and 24 Sessions. So I think uh, my previous businesses, they all started with a very simple need that I experienced my, uh, myself. Um, and 24 Sessions uh, started the same way. So um, I uh, needed mortgage advice, uh, actually, for the second time in my life. And I realized that in those past seven years, actually nothing changed in that process. It was still a very offline and slow process um, where uh, I just wanted to get a mortgage, right? I just wanted to buy the house, I wanted to get the mortgage. Um, But um, to have the mortgage, I had to have a mortgage conversation. And it was a lot of hassle to, to schedule that appointment. And then the appointment could take place maybe next week but only at 3pm in the afternoon. And I would actually have to go to the bank with my girlfriend We were both having busy lives. Uh, We have kids. So it was very inflexible for, in my opinion, a simple thing as a conversation. Mm. So um, I basically then had the idea, why are we not doing this via a video call? It's just as personal, but it's way more flexible, way easier for, for me as the consumer to still have this personal conversation. So that was basically the, the frustration that I had and there was also the spark to, uh, to start this company.
0: Yeah, so the the businesses you had before this, were there all technology companies or is this like the first one that you did?
1: So the, the first one, the side project was, well, I wouldn't call it a, a technology company, it was a, a user-generated content uh, website where we basically built like a a wiki for uh, home improvements in your your house. And the the interesting thing was a lot of people could contribute content to it. So it grew grew very quickly in terms of uh, SEO. So it was slightly technology. I also developed that myself, but it wasn't really hard development stuff. Um, And then uh, another business was a customer engagement agency. So there was not technology at all. It was consultancy. And then the other business was a social quiz game which was again uh really technology uh company yeah.
0: Mm, interesting yeah because uh w- why the, why that's interesting to me is uh you said you did like uh, studying economics and stuff like that and then going through the, to this how did that how did that transition actually happen
1: um i think um i'm, I'm most of all just a, an entrepreneur so i have ideas and then I get very passionate about them, and I get very mad that there's not a solution for the pain that I'm that I'm experiencing. A lot so of just,
0: entrepreneurs have that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I I just want to I just want to solve it. And, um, and typically, what I've learned, especially nowadays, right when technology is so accessible and there's so much good content in the world, and so many websites that actually can can help you in, in the first baby steps. That what i always did is i just took the first baby steps uh myself and mm. then try to validate that with with mvp or however you want to call it validate it and then if it's if it seems to be validated then actually try to build a team uh that can actually uh take it forward and uh, take the next steps
0: yeah so you you kind of uh you kind of build the proof of concept right like okay yeah. this can actually work and this can this can uh, this can work in this particular manner so other people that actually see it can also say like oh yeah it, it actually makes sense right uh, you actually yeah. have something physical you, that's something that i i've seen i i see a lot of uh, people do wrong actually is where they are like oh i have this great idea and then they're talking about the idea talking 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 yeah. and you're like okay but w- how does that work right how can you show me how that will work and that helps with the proof concept, I think.
1: Yeah, and and of course, I, I also made those mistakes. I think every entrepreneur makes those mistakes really? yeah. because you're so passionate about about the topic, and you don't really wanna you don't want to hear what what's bad about the concept. Uh, but then it's it's just good idea to really build an MVP, even if it's just a, a clickable prototype or uh, or a, a fake demo, or it does nothing, or you do some manual work in the background but really see how people react uh, to it. Um, I think yeah. that's super valuable to do that as fast as possible.
0: And uh, when, you, when you do that, uh, do you do that like, with like people that you know or how, how do you kind of validate that, that concept?
1: Um, yeah, I think it's fine to start with people that you know, as long as mm. the questions that you ask are the right questions. Um, so, of course, the people that you know, they're closest and it's, you have easiest access. It's not the best uh, experiment. But I think the the, the, the people the, the mistake that people make most is not necessarily asking the wrong people, but actually asking the wrong questions. And if yeah. they get an answer that doesn't really fit into their box, that they, for some weird reason, tend to ignore those answers. And just, yeah, they
0: dismiss it, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, they
1: dismiss it. So I think it's not about the people, it's about the questions, and if you're really able to be honest to your own uh, concepts.
0: Yeah, because I think it's, it's uh, interesting for the listeners to know what kind of questions those are, right? Uh, do you have some examples of those, those questions that you maybe asked for, for other companies that you did?
1: So I, I asked a lot of the wrong questions and I think wrong questions are typically, do you like this idea or would you use it? Like all kinds of theoretical uh, questions, they're terrible. Uh, the right questions are just to give them the MVP, give them the product and see what happens. Uh, mm. Give them access to it, and also one thing I really learned is don't give it uh, for free. So try to make money from it as soon as possible. If it's even if it's like a complete fake thing, put a buy button on there somewhere. Uh, mm. Have them do uh, a free trial of one week, but then really make them convert to uh, to uh, to a subscription. Uh, yeah. Because in the end, that's the ultimate uh, validation: are okay. people really willing to make that transition from paying nothing to maybe just even paying one cent that's already a huge mental transition that they that they need to make
0: yeah and I, i i kind of agree with you on that because i um i've always had a kind of problem with the freemium model right where uh you have at least a free plan and then you go through because Uh, what will happen is the people that um, that want the product they're of course going to buy it but uh, but on the other hand you also have a lot of people that will stick on the free plan because they're like oh yeah this is enough for me i don't i don't really Mm -hmm. want on the one hand it's good because people are using your product on -hmm. the other hand you're not making any money on it so uh, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a it's a hard hard thing to to kind of find a solution for, like, okay, how are you going to actually get those people to transition to paying customers? That's, yeah. that's the one. Yeah, and that really
1: depends on on your type of product, on your business model. I, I think there are a lot of products that actually for whom it's great that 80% is not paying anything, but they actually mm-hmm. need those non-paying users to make the product valuable for those 20% that do pay. But yeah. I th- indeed, it's, uh, it's uh, for you to find out where that uh, optimum is.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned the kind of content-based uh, side product that you had before. Uh, that those are kind of projects where I think, like maybe it's even good to have that freemium model, right? Where yeah. there are people that are contributing and stuff like that, and that makes that value that for the paying customers as well. True. Um, so, yeah. That's it. So, uh, for f- to go back to kind of when Twenty Four Sessions started. Um, was that also the way you kind of started up 24 sessions, like with the kind of proof of concept and stuff like that? How how did that go?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So for 24 sessions, um, it was quite hard to um, to really build a proof of concept completely by myself uh, because there were a lot of difficult technical components in there, like for example vi- uh, video calling. And I had this fish, this vision of completely effortless video calling. And it's more or less normal now but uh, four years ago when we started this you would always have to install software or a lot of issues with it a lot of bugs and a lot of difficulty um, so what i did is um, i validated based on like uh, clickable prototypes so not a real working project um, and then i actually uh, hired a few freelancers to build the first mvp so i did take that risk of investing quite some money to get the first really working prototype. Uh, but th- that gave me enough validation to really um, stop my other activities and uh, go full focus on, uh, on 24 sessions.
0: Yeah. So when you did that kind of uh, first transition with the, with the freelancers that you hired and stuff like that, uh, is that also when, when that was done, was that also the moment that you said, OK, I'm going to start uh, uh, immediately getting like paying customers? Was that also the, the, the case?
1: Yeah. yeah we, um, we had um, so in, in previous uh, not just businesses but also previous encounters, I uh, learned that um, charging too late uh, is, is, is difficult uh, okay. because 24 sessions maybe to explain actually what it, what it is. so 24 okay. sessions is, um, is a, uh, a solution where we help uh, mainly large enterprises to implement video calling as a fully integrated customer contact channel. So Mm -hmm. it's a video calling solution, but not like Zoom or Skype or Teams that are more generalist, but really exclusively focused on applying video for customer contact. Uh Um, And 24Sessions really is an enterprise solution. So we work with banks, insurance companies, uh, governments, energy companies. So it's Really, enterprise uh, business and enterprise uh, sales. Mm. So, um, doing stuff like free trials is really out of the question because you're you need to go through a lot of uh, steps to actually get those enterprises to accept you legally uh, from a security perspective. So, what we did is from the very first day, the f- very first customers, we uh, we just charged uh, for access to the product, even though the product was. Definitely not ready yet in the beginning, Um, but that's something that our customers, our early customers, accepted and also that we, uh, we accepted.
0: Yeah. So how does how does this uh, how does your product kind of integrate in that process? So uh, when I am a customer for for a customer, for example, for twenty four sessions, uh, how does it work for my kind of end customer that I'm using it for? So say, for instance, I'm a mortgage broker or something like something uh, like that. Uh, how do they actually get to video call me? How how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So it, that's also part of my frustration when I had this initial mortgage. Uh, so it started with scheduling the appointment. So um, the way you would traditionally schedule an appointment with your mortgage advisor is you would go to their website, then you would fill in a contact form. That contact yep. form ends up somewhere in the back office of the mortgage broker, and yep. someone gets a callback request. Uh, but. Typically what they do, they call you back within 48 hours, but they always call you during office hours, during 9 to 5, and they always call you with an unknown caller ID, right? And what do you do when someone calls you during work with an unknown caller ID? I
0: don't don't answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You don't answer. So like the simple thing to just schedule that appointment was already a pain in the ass. So next to the video component, we also built uh, an online appointment scheduling system. And this is actually how the journey starts. So uh, with the banks that use 24 sessions, if you want to have a, a mortgage conversation, you go to their website, you actually see a booking form with the availability of the mortgage advisors. You pick a time where you want to actually have that conversation. You enter your email address, you hit submit, and then you have the meeting scheduled. Mm-hmm. And this is super convenient because I, I can actually schedule this meeting as a consumer, for example, on a Sunday evening, when I'm typically doing my finance stuff, when I'm talking about houses with uh, with your partner. So you can actually schedule that meeting uh, whenever you want. And you also know when that meeting is gonna take place. So even if the meeting is at office hours, you can still just, I don't know, at your work, book a meeting room and have this conversation there for 30 minutes, so it's super, uh, super flexible. Yeah. Um, so- yeah.
0: Uh, and uh, that, that, I presume, that kind of availability and stuff like that is connected to some kind of calendar on the cal- client side, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, it's connected to the calendar and uh, the advisor, they have full control over which time slots they actually open up. Uh, we can also route the request to different agents. Um, and then um, the third component of our product is, is um, actually feedback and analytics. So after the the video call is done, the consumer is instantly asked to actually rate that experience. Um, And what's interesting, we actually added that feature in the very early days, not so much for our customers, but more for us to actually track, hey, do people like this service and is there potential in this? But now it's actually a fundamental way for our customers to track uh, net promoter scores or track customer Mm -hmm. satisfactions. And the fun thing is that they track them right after the meeting. So it's super hot. It's super fresh. It's it's not like an annoying survey that you send out weeks later and no one remembers the service anymore.
0: Yeah, I actually got. uh, It's funny because uh, we're kind of in the service business ourselves, uh, Mm -hmm. and you see that like uh, if you had a chat conversation, for example, which we have sometimes with clients. uh, What I do is I actually set something up that it will automatically after the chat is like ended it will send out the survey immediately like oh. almost immediately after the chat ends and you see like the the response rate for that kind of um that kind of survey is like really really high because yeah. re- it's fresh right Um I, I've, I've also seen the like other side of things where i uh went to a zoo or i went to or i had a contact about a package that didn't get delivered and then it was like I had it l- last time it I had it it was with a package supplier or a, a package delivery company where uh, I ordered something in August and I got a survey in March so I was like yeah. <laughs> I have no clue yeah. when I called you for what I called you I have absolutely no idea and you're not going to get any uh, no. response on that no. it it has to be directly on the kind of event or the the point in the customer journey or however yeah. you want to call it so, yeah, exactly um, how how because we're we're uh, recording this during the whole coronavirus crisis and stuff like that. Uh, how has that kind of impacted your business? Is that is has it been like a positive? How has the fast few weeks been for you?
1: Ooh, it's been crazy <laughs> to be, yeah. So um, I think one of the things we did well in hindsight. Um, Actually, before uh, our prime minister announced the the measures and requesting people to work from home, we actually already sent uh, the, the the team home uh, because we anticipated busy times and we didn't want to take the risk that uh, that we would not be ready for it or that people in our company would get sick. So I think that's something that we did uh, in hindsight uh, that we did well. Um, but as you can imagine, uh, we uh, we got a lot more requests and a lot more usage uh, since the corona outbreak so yeah. um i think from our existing customers we got uh, i think they increased in usage uh, by almost 500 percent at the moment oh my God. Yeah. Um, so what you see is that some of our customers that were already working with us they always saw um, video as one of the channels and that's actually also what i what i uh what i agree with right it's one of the channels in your omni channel customer contact uh, mix yeah. so maybe video was doing 10 20 of their interactions and then most of the inter- interactions were still face to face but now with the corona outbreak all of a sudden they switched from maybe 20 uh through video instantly to okay let's do everything via video it's now the primary sales channel that we uh, that we have so um usage of our platform grew very dramatically. Um thank God we've been able to keep up. So um yeah <laughs> that's we, hard as
0: well if if you get uh, five five times the amount of traffic you're you're normally doing for example yeah. it's uh, it's hard to to keep up.
1: Yeah so really proud with uh, on on uh, of the development team that um they they build such a scalable uh, system because yeah video is super high load of course. Yeah. Um and what we also saw is that um, the existing opportunities that we had, um, the sales cycles reduced dramatically. So um, our, our typical sales cycle is about six months, and uh, some of them now went to six days. Uh, so it's 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 uh, it's quite uh, dramatic. Yeah. Now now the real craziness is over, thank God. Uh, but the initial <laughs> uh, two or three weeks were really uh, really crazy. Yeah
0: yeah so that uh, that sales cycle is interesting to me because you said it went from in some cases six months to six days uh is that mostly due to the companies like we need a solution right we need a solution for this right now because we can't go through the whole legal process and stuff like that right now because we just don't have the time is is that because of that
1: yeah yeah and we actually um uh in all of them we actually went through the the uh the legal process in a clean way, but just yeah. with way more priority than they would typically uh, typically uh, give it. So normally it's just one of the tasks. So now it was one of their primary priorities to to get us through that uh, through that funnel uh, at their side. Um, and indeed, yeah, it's um, some of the banks we were talking to them for already one or two months, and they expressed interest to maybe go live after the summer. Uh, but now all of a sudden, yeah, they they made this decision. Okay this is going to be our primary sales channel, because their business also needs to continue. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, if you have a face-to-face sales channel or distribution channel, and you're in this corona outbreak, yeah, you have really serious business continuity risks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I was wondering about is, um, because before this whole crisis started, uh, you said it's like maybe 10, 20%, right? That they're using the, the product for. Why do you think that was? Because it could have already been like more a bigger percentage than that. Why do you think uh, people were hesitant to you to get not maybe hesitant, but uh, why were they using it for such a small amount? If even though they know it worked. Yeah, yeah.
1: um, It it depends. It it really depends for a customer. So we do have, of course, customers uh, that even do one hundred percent. We also have customers that really just do it on an occasional uh, basis. I think why adoption so we 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 call it adoption why that is so important is because typically what we transform is a customer contact channel that was previously face-to-face and it wasn't previously face-to-face for two years or five years or ten years it was they did that face-to-face for 100 years Right, Mm. so um, it's a big transformation for most of those organizations to start doing these interactions, and it's typically their high value interactions to do them via video. Yeah, so the answers we got uh, were, Oh, but with video, it's less personal, or Ah, this definitely works, but my customers don't want to do this, Um, Mm. and it's also hesitance from some of the salespeople or advisors at the, at the companies that we work with, who are working there for fifteen, maybe twenty years, always did it face to face, and now see video and just are a little bit scared of the of the change that it brings.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And what what is also something that I can imagine people thinking about: they're like, we can't give someone a handshake. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's underestimated in in how uh, ingrained that is in our kind of uh, yeah. kind of way of working right where everybody's like okay if we have a deal we're gonna shake on it right instead yeah. of oh we're doing it via video call I can't shake your hand from here yeah. I mean' uh, that's, uh, that's,
1: that's an anecdote that I also use a lot actually I was I was at a conference uh, two years ago uh, at, yeah. a, at a banking conference and they did, they did a study uh, they I think they asked I don't know a few hundred consumers uh, what personal financial advice means for them, and they asked a couple of hundred financial advisors what personal financial advice means for them. And I think the top five answers from those advisors were dominated by um, grabbing their coat, welcoming them with a nice reception, giving them uh, a cup of coffee. Like that was uh, that was quite dominant in the top, uh, top five list for the advisors, where the consumers said things like it needs to be flexible. It needs to be fast. It needs to be tailored to my super busy schedule. So they were talking about those topics. So, yeah, so everyone has a different definition of personal. Um, and I think the definition of personal is, is changing. Um, and what we learned is that across our customer base, uh, end customers actually value uh, video interactions Higher, So there's a higher customer satisfaction on video interactions than face-to-face. And this was even very unexpected for me. So uh, I also didn't expect it. I expected video would be efficient for the organization and efficient as an alternative for the customer. But I wouldn't expect video to be rated higher than Um, face-to-face. And the reason is that face-to-face, while it's really great, it also brings a lot of inconvenience. Um, It's slow. Uh, you need to travel, you need to pay those travel expenses, uh, meetings tend to last longer, you have to do the small talk and everything, so there's a lot of inconvenience with, uh, with face-to-face, and I think you don't have those inconveniences with, uh, with video, and that's why overall, if you add up all the pluses and minuses for both of the channels, across our customer base, uh, video actually scores better than, uh, than face-to-face.
0: Yeah, that's crazy because when i think about it um uh, i had some contact with for example my doctor or something like that and now i have to do that over the phone instead of going there uh, yeah. even though for me it's like really across the street so it's not it's not that far away but it's more like um in some cases i'm like why isn't this always like this because i just want to ask one little question or i want to uh, i don't want to go and sit there and wait yeah. and in or, or by email right or just some other form of communication instead of always going there uh, just to ask a question because i think that that raises the bar for a lot of people to ask those questions they want to ha- ask yeah. right? instead of uh, just having some kind of call or whatever uh that that just suits someone and then they can go because when i look at it my uh, maybe it's 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 my kind of generation but uh, when i look at it i tend to go for the chat channel if there is an opportunity. I I tend to go for that because I don't want to sit in line and wait on the phone. I I just want to ask a question. I just want to know. Is this particular product for me or whatever, right? It, yeah. I, I, and then I don't want to wait because that's that's the the whole thing. If I do it free, via chat, that's kind of asynchronous, right? They can answer whenever they uh, get to it, right? And that's that works for me, and I think that for a lot of uh, a lot of people it works the same way. I hope it does, but
1: yeah, um, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I think um, my, my point, point is, is also on. not that. Uh, Video is always better than face-to-face or video is always better than chat. There's a right channel for the right moment and I think if you have a simple question, please give me a chatbot. If it's slightly more complex, give me a real person via chat. And this is like a scale and I think every company needs to decide what interaction do we want to offer with which channel so that it actually brings the highest customer value
0: yeah exactly and uh, a lot of companies are already of course thinking about taking away those frictions and stuff like that where uh, through like processes that if you want to get a loan from your bank or something like that uh, some banks have already set it set it up that way that you can do that without actually having interaction with someone at their end yeah. uh, because it, it doesn't make sense to me you already made that kind of decision that you want to loan money for example uh, why do i need to talk to someone if you already know everything about me right you know if i pay my bills you know if i pay my mortgage on time and stuff like that so you can make that that the decision based on the data that you have um so they're they're doing that and i think that's that's a great thing to to see so uh what i'm uh, kind of curious about is uh, when this kind of uh, crisis uh, dies down or at least uh goes into to like more stable waters uh do you think um uh, more people are going to prefer this way of communicating, even though that it was already there before. But d- do you think it will be more and more than uh, it is right now?
1: Um, yeah, I'm I'm really 100% convinced that that will be the case. Um, of course, I mean some definitely quite some of the interactions that are now forced to video will actually go back to face to face, and I think that's perfectly fine. But I see this as an accelerator. are now so many people that actually experienced firsthand either as a consumer or as the person actually in the company that it works and there's there's a lot of benefits to the to the channel Um, so i think a lot of it will stick and uh, it will it will become a a a primary uh contact channel and we already saw that transition in quite some industries in the banking industry uh, video really is a boardroom topic. It's seen as one of the major solutions to the the, the, the struggle that they have with branches closing and how to keep that relationship. Um, so I really see it as an accelerator for those other industries that were also already working with us, but still a little bit on the innovation projects, and not really rolled out on, on a big scale that they now experience, okay, this is actually making things easier for ourselves, for the customers, and the entire uh, process.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that uh, in our company as well, where uh, people that are really traditional in a sense that they're like, okay, we need to go to the customer to make the deal, are now kind of getting on board of like, oh yeah, we can do this through a video call as well, in in some cases to support a client or whatever, right? Uh, And I'm like, well this option is not new or something. Like that. It's, not, it's not something that just, ex, just started to exist or something like that, Yeah, right? but let me tell you, we had the same thing. Yeah, I think so. So, so, yeah. so
1: we, we, like, we
0: went to sales.
1: So, of course, pre-corona, we did quite of our uh, sales interactions, but also our hiring interviews, for example. We, we did quite of them via video. But uh, in all honesty, the majority of our sales interactions were actually face-to-face at the pre-corona time. So, Mm. uh, because also we told ourselves, like, if I really have this really important presentation and there are two or three stakeholders there, yeah, then we need to do it face-to-face, right? And now, also, we are forced to do everything via video. Also, our customer success, when we started a new project, we would do, like, old-school classroom trainings because we felt it's important to really, you know, connect with them. Now we're doing everything remote. We're doing webinars. We're doing... And we actually we, we see the same kind of adoption with our customers. So even we have to look ourselves in the eyes and say, hey, damn. Like some of it will go back, but most mm-hmm. of it will actually will 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 stick to uh to, to the way we do it now. So that's yeah, it's
0: embarrassing, but also interesting <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, and, and the the cool thing is that um when I think about it, well the, the the I think that a lot of face-to-face is done in the Netherlands anyway, because uh, it's a small country, right? You yeah. can go to any point in, in the country almost in uh, one and a half, two hours. Like, uh, So everybody's like, okay, we can do it face-to-face, so we'll probably prefer that because... For some reason, we think that deal will com- come through because we are doing it face to face, right? And it's also
1: impolite, you know, if you're not face to face. It means you don't take them serious. There's yeah, all this exactly. hidden stuff around it. Yeah.
0: yeah, and I think that that will that will for sure change. Uh, I, we've seen it change already. I, there are some deals that we've made for that with clients that are now f- through video calls. They're not through like face to face because you can't. So it, it it's kind of a it's kind of as you said, it's an accelerator. It's an accelerator yeah. into like remote work, but also uh, kind of this remote contact with clients and getting them to to adopt your yeah. product. In case.
1: And then there's um, I, I think, think also referring cool. to the handshake that you, uh, that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, I just read a really interesting piece uh, by Jacob van der Koy from uh, Winning by Design okay. um, about the sales effectiveness of video versus face to face. And mm-hmm. that actually also opened my eyes. I think we were preaching this, the same thing, but he explained it really, really well. And what he said says, um, if, you, if you analyze your, your, your sales cycle, you don't look at the conversion of a single deal, but you aggregate all your deals over a period of time. And for yeah. example, what he studied is, let's say you're doing a fully face-to-face sales process. So everything is in person, everything is face-to-face. Then maybe in that case, out of the 10 sales opportunities that you have, you're able to close six of them. So that's basically the optimal conversion because you're doing everything face to face, right? So six out of 10, you uh, you close. But because it's face to face and because it involves traveling, because it involves complex agendas to be matched, the sales cycle is relatively long. So let's say in order to close those six deals, you actually need six months right so the sales cycle is six months he also analyzed what if you would do the entire sales cycle via video and out of that research he found that for example i I don't know the exact numbers but this is uh, like the just uh, the the way it works out of those 10 maybe you wouldn't close six but you would close four for example so the individual conversion of a deal is lower so you only close four out of ten but actually, the sales cycle is not six months anymore. But it's three months. So actually, in six months, you close eight deals. So that's already an, a total improvement. Yeah, your improvement of sales. And then also, and that's actually something that we are definitely experiencing here as well. If you're doing a fully face-to-face uh, sales process, one sales rep might only be able to manage ten deals at a time, uh, because it's super hard all the stakeholder management and having all those wheels in the right direction but if you're doing video you're able to actually handle way more sales deals at the same time so maybe you're even uh, able to handle 20 deals so that makes your conversion not eight but 16 in those same six months and i think what we've learned here internally and that's also what we tell our customers is you need to analyze this so you need to look at your sales journey or your customer success journey and really analyze okay what meetings are we doing via phone call where are we doing video and what are those one or two moments where we really make the effort fly over there and do a face-to-face interaction
0: yeah yeah and that's kind of the thing Uh, we we were doing that for everything uh, in but you could have done it. It, it it's like the old thing like if you can do it in an email you don't need a meeting or something like that right yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of the same thing uh, yeah. uh, so th- those those are kind of the things that i i also kind of preach like okay um i hate meetings i despise them <laughs> so <laughs> for me for me it's easy so i i i kind of tend to not do meetings at all if i can uh, mm-hmm. and uh it's uh, it's interesting to see that a lot of things can be done in that way they they can be done via phone or via an email or whatever right uh, so uh there is there is as you said there's a lot of channels that are uh, available to us and it's interesting to see how people are going to use them in the future i th- i think that's uh, that's going to be uh, to, to be interesting so to wrap up i have one more question uh, and I, that's the question I ask at the ask, ask at the end every, every time. Uh, what are you kind of most proud of since you started the started twenty four sessions?
1: Um, yeah, the, 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 the thing, thing I'm most know. proud of is really the team, and um, um, especially also for the last months. Uh, the, the 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 way everyone adapted to this completely new way of working to this huge wave of increased volume, increased requests and um, the way we transitioned our processes the way people stood up and took ownership, I think uh, that's the most that's the thing I'm most proud of, it's also not uh, I'm also not a kind of founder or CEO that I don't know um, looks at its, its fancy office or the revenue or the about the logos, it's uh, the moments where I'm really proud is where I see someone that maybe just started with us uh, six months ago, do a really cool presentation or come up with a really good suggestion. So I think those are really the moments that uh, where I'm really like deeply proud and also where I come home and instantly tell the story of this, this happened at uh, the company. So it's yeah, 100% team uh, for me.
0: Very cool, very cool. And uh, I think it's the best way to, to wrap up the, the whole podcast. So, uh, where can uh, people find 24 Sessions on the internet? Yeah, you you just, just go, go to 24sessions.com.
1: And um, yeah, we have a lot of information actually about how to implement video calling as a customer contact channel. So, whether you use 24 Sessions or not, I think there's a lot of content, a lot of ebooks, research, uh, blogs about uh, the topic. So, um, Um, Yeah, just go there and uh, and see if it's interesting.
0: Very cool. Thanks, Rutger. I uh, very, uh, very much enjoyed our uh, our talk. Cool,
1: yeah. Welcome and a lot of fun to actually talk about these uh, topics. So thank you for inviting me.
0: No problem at all. And uh, for the listeners, you can find the Bits vs. Byte podcast on bitsvsbyte.com and on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, There's a newsletter if you want to uh, get five things about business, technology, and leadership. Uh, It gets sent out every Friday, uh, every two weeks. And you can find that on bitsvsbyte.com slash newsletter. I would like to thank you for listening and until next time.